Good morning, Christ Central. I want to say you guys look blessed. I'm so thankful for Pastor Daniel, Pastor Tim, Pastor Evan, who I don't see, and the elders. And I'm all, I always feel welcomed uh, when I'm here. My wife and I are elated to worship with you, and I just pray that the Lord would meet us as, we, as I stand before you to open God's word. So if you would, would you please stand with me as I read. Our text for the day, it comes from Psalm 124. Psalm 124, and it begins, and I like to read all of it. It says, a song of ascents of David. <clears throat> if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher and your great glory, our supreme concern. I pray that you would bless my inadequate offerings, fashioning them into miraculous feasts that would sustain your people through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And let us all say amen. You may be seated. The Nigerian city of Jos sits on a fault line in between the Muslim extremist north and Christians who were south of that. And even in the area where Christians lived, there were Muslims there as well. On one particular day, the extremists from the north came down and they attacked the Christian church, burned it to the ground. And after they finished attacking the physical building of the church, they also attacked the pastor's home, burned it to the ground. And so as the people who would worship in this building look at the rubble and see the smoke going up, they were sad. I mean, we would be sad when something like that happens. But the second Sunday after this attack, this church met in a community center not far from where the church had burned down. This community center had mud walls. It wasn't what they normally worshiped in. But the pastor came there that day with the heart of gratitude. And he stood up before his people and he offered this gratitude. He says, I want to thank God that no one in our church killed anyone. I thank God for that. Not only did no one in their church kill anyone, but the Christians of this church protected the Muslims who lived in their community. And those Muslims were grateful that the pastor would teach the people in such a way that they would show love and, and care for even those who worshipped different from them. And then the pastor stood up again to offer more thanks. And he says, I am also grateful that they did not burn my church. This confused the people. Because they are looking down the way in this rubble. The church does not exist anymore. Then the pastor says, excuse me, let me clarify. He says, they did not kill any member of our church. They only destroyed the building. 
says, we can rebuild the building, but we cannot bring a life back. Therefore, I am glad that they did not burn my church. Friends, when God delivers and sustains in whatever way he sees fit, we always have a reason to thank him. We always have a reason to show gratitude, even in the midst of life ills. I, I know that I'm looking at a people who knows what the ups and downs of life are like. I know that we all go through all of the issues, good and bad, and when things are bad, they could be really bad, but even in the midst of that, we have a reason to celebrate and to thank God. But no matter how bad it gets, I am here to tell you, friends, that don't fret. And I'm talking to myself here because life, as, as the old poet said, ain't been no crystal stare, as I just recently heard. Life has been hard in many ways, but I'm, I'm, I'm comforted by scripture that Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 17, he says, for this light momentary affliction. I don't even have to read anything else because Paul says, and, and if anybody went through anything, Paul knows it, but he says in all of this stuff in life, he says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This morning, I want to share some thoughts with you from Psalm 124. Here, we see the community of faith. And I'm, I'm pointing out the community Israel, as they are engaged in different life situations. And the reason I'm pointing to the community, because we as a people, if you're like me, we tend to just focus on ourselves individually. We just tend to think about the me and the my and the I. But what about the us? What about us collectively? And, and the psalmist is addressing not him personally. He's looking at the community of Israel. And this psalm encompasses various life situations everything that we experience and feel all throughout the psalms from psalm 1 to psalm 150 we can all find a psalm and say this is me it encompasses so much and it is here that i want to share some insights from the great old testament theologian walter brueggemann on how he categorizes and looks at the psalms First, he says there are psalms of orientation. This means that life is the way that it should be. I'm blessed. Money is in the bank. The kids are not tripping. Me and my spouse are on one accord. Life is good, right? We want to live here. Psalms of orientation. But then he speaks of psalms of disorientation. Hmm. Life is here painful and in disarray. So we go from on the mountaintop, life is good, but then something happens. Do I have someone who knows what I'm talking about? Something happens and it's like the floor comes from under my feet. I don't know what's going on. As a matter of fact, I'm angry. I'm not just angry at someone. I'm even angry with God. Where are you? when this stuff happens. So there's psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, but then he points out psalms of new orientation where life has been made new. Here is resurrection. So as we look at Psalm 124, the people of God 
as you read it, you would see that they experience pain and suffering, but something new has happened. They seem to have come out of the pit, right? There has been an intrusion by God to deliver, and which brings me to my theme for today, friends. It's no big theological statement. This is very simple, and it is this. Our God is a deliverer. Our God is a deliverer. How many of you can testify to that? That he delivers. Has he taken you from the pit of chaos and, and brought you into a place of blessing? And you don't know why he did it. You did nothing to deserve it. But by God, it was crazy. And now, oh Lord, I just want to throw my hands up and say hallelujah. Because he has blessed me. Or maybe you're still in the mess. Maybe it's not better. But something is better in your soul. Because even though it's crazy on the outside, he has given you a peace that, Paul says, surpasses all understanding. It's almost like those three Hebrew boys that were in the midst of the furnace. I love it. They're in the fire. And the text says that it was another in there with them. So in the fire, God himself was there allowing them not to be burned. Maybe that's you this morning as well. And so as we go through this text, I only have two points and I want to begin. Let's look at the first point and it is this. We thank God because he is able to avert disaster. The psalmist writes in verses 1 to 5, he says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side... Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then we would have, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept over us. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. The psalmist here and the community remembered a time in their existence when it was scary. It's scary. But they also served a God that they knew that in the midst of their calamity, he would come and see about them. He would not leave them alone. And soon they experienced deliverance. And because now they experienced this deliverance, the proper response was praise. It was thankfulness. So in our psalm, something new had happened for the community. The disaster that was coming on them had been averted. But they had no control over that disaster being averted. You know, if you're like me, you want to work to make sure bad things don't happen. Can I get an amen or a witness in here? You would do what you want to do to make sure these things don't happen. But we don't have enough money. We don't have enough skill. We're not smart enough to prevent some things from happening. The only way it's going to stop is God would show up and do something about it. And the community, they have experienced that. And all they can say now was, thank you, Lord. So the psalmist says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if he had not shown up, the psalmist says, the floods would have swept us away. We would have been swallowed up by death, right? We would have been done. No way to stop it. But the psalmist expressed an idea that says the Lord stopped the funeral. He stopped the funeral from happening for the people of God. Now, we don't know the exact life situation 
of the psalmist who wrote it. The psalm heading says it's a psalm of David, but we don't really know if it is. But if it is David, David understood that God is the deliverer because the, when he became king, the Philistines wanted to do away with him. Not just to defeat him, they wanted to annihilate him. And God stepped in and stopped the Philistines from doing what they wanted to do. Also, if it is the returning exilic community from Babylon who was away from the land for 70 years, but now through Cyrus, God using Cyrus, the king of the Persians, to allow Israel to go back home. That Israel on their way back, Psalm of Ascense, worshiping, would give thanks to God because he has been on their side. This shows me, friends, we have no help but Yahweh. Christ Central, I'm going to say that again. Here in Durham, in the work that you are doing, you don't have no help. Forgive my English, any professors in here. You don't have no help but Yahweh. He is your help. He is my help. He is the one that stops the flood waters of doom from overtaking us. He preserves us. So when God is our ally, who else do we need? Maybe some of you in here who enjoy working out. I used to enjoy working out. Now working out is just now to keep the heart pumping and the, the limbs working. But uh, some years ago, I just remember when you go into, and you can go now, when you go to any gym, they have what's called free weights and there's a bench press there. And then you got some of, the, some of the guys, men and women in there, they just go in and they just flex. But typically one that bench presses, they normally have someone with them. They're not doing it by themselves. Some do, but not all the time. But you have maybe two or three sets that you normally want to do. Two or three sets of 15. So when you get probably on that third set around number 12, something begins to happen. The arms get a little weak. You know, they start feeling a little rubbery. You don't know if you could get the bar up enough to, 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 to get it on the rack. But it's right when you're getting weak that the one who is with you, the spotter, would then stand over you and say, keep going, I got you. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to finish this. Why? Because I'm here too. But for the last one, the very last one, the 15th one, you have absolutely no strength. And the spotter does something wonderful. He takes the bar or she takes the bar and picks it up for you and sets it on the rack. Because you don't have the strength to do it. Friends, this is what God does for us. When the weight of your trial is too heavy and you can't keep it up. When your arms are trembling, when your life seems that it's about to crash and burn, God's grace steps in to deliver. He carries the weight, picks it up, and puts it on the rack. This shows me how Jesus has worked in our lives. He is our weight barrier. He is our heavy load carrier. Because of his death on the cross, disaster has been uh, averted for all who trust in him. Which leads me to the last thing I want to share with you, which is very similar to the first. But it's this. God is a liberator. The psalmist says in these final verses, verses 6 to 8, he says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us his prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
Here we see the protective grace of God for his people. God saved them from the teeth of the destroyer. I love this language that the psalmist gives. It's very vivid. And he freed them from the snare of the fowler. But when we think about Israel, we think about a people who have checkered pasts. And before we look down on them, down our nose at them, we need to look at a mirror in a mirror at Israel. Don't we have checkered pasts? Don't we? Yeah, I know a lot of times we like to look, be buttoned up. We look the part. But when you lift up the hood of our lives and look back, we are a people that's, and I love with the confession, I'm telling, we, typically, we always confess when we come in on a Sunday, we're messed up. But praise be to God, Jesus died for me. There was assurance there. But we all checkered pasts. We have sinned and God has disciplined us. He has dealt with us. We experience all of these things, even if we have not done something ourselves to cause the discipline, but we live in a world that's, that's broken and sometimes these things happen to us and we're trying to figure out why, Lord. But this psalm reminds us that we have a God who takes notice, that we have a God who is not aloof, he is not some old dude with a long gray beard sitting on the throne drooling saying, I love them so much. <laughs> he's on the throne and he's ready to act. And he does act on our behalf. And in our lives, we can see that the dangers that loomed, that lurked, God has averted. He has liberated us through the Lord Jesus Christ. When God saved you in Christ, he snatched you from hell's fire why? Friends, it ain't because you and I are so good. It's not because we come from good stock. It's not because we live in the right neighborhood or we went to the right school. He didn't save us for any of those reasons. Ephesians 2 gives us the reason. He saved us by grace through faith. And this is not your, from yourself. It is God's gift so that no one would boast if it's about your if it's about your stock your pedigree and all of that then you have something to boast in but when it comes to jesus we have no reason for boasting he did it because he loves us look at the text again we are like that helpless bird in verse seven we are like that helpless bird the only way that we could escape any calamity is by divine help we have the truth of scripture that we can call out to God and God will come to our rescue, our aid. But here's the thing I want, I want to caution us with. Because we live in an Amazon Prime age. If anybody know what I'm talking about. You know, you order something from Amazon Prime, is that the next day. We need God to show up right now. Right? We try to put limits or say, God, you got to do it now. And when he doesn't, we start doubting him. But God is God. And here's the thing someone said to me and I want to share with you. If we knew everything that God knows, we would answer our prayers the same way he would answer them. So if he delays, he's delaying because he's doing something. He's doing something. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to come see about us and bring us out. He's not going to liberate us. This is what scripture lets us know. We are like that bird. And at the right time, he is going to come and set us free. Listen to Isaiah 51, verses 12 to 13. 
God says, I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass, and have forgotten the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? See, this psalm of praise brings together God's ever-repeated gifts of salvation and renewal. The people of God are not immune to suffering. They're not immune to suffering. But not only that, they also know that they have a God who would sustain them. That even if they went through hard times, that they have a God that they could call out to who would help in their time of need. And we celebrate this. We celebrate this because we have the perfect picture of how God would help us. And it's seen in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. God himself in Jesus bore our sin on our behalf. The greatest picture of love we have as believers. He bore the penalty that he himself inflicted. And this brings us great comfort. On January the 10th, 2003, a young man named Terry Dreyer spent over 20 hours stranded in an ocean, his boat capsized, and there's no one around him. The first few hours, you know, he does everything that we would do, trying to make sure, like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to make sure that I'm safe. But as the time continued to tick and move, he loses hope. He's losing hope, and he's thinking, oh, this is it. I'm about to die. And at the 20th hour, a helicopter flies over. The helicopter notices the capsized boat, sees the man, sends word to a ship that's on its way to the Persian Gulf to do war. The name of the ship was called the USS Comforter. Before going to fight and do battle, this ship turned and went to where Terry Dreyer was and rescued him to deliver him. Friends, many people today are treading water and they don't know how much longer they can last. People are tired and feel that all is lost. But I want to say to you, if that's you today, all you have to do is look up because your deliverer is near. We have something greater than the USS Comforter. We have a liberator who's hovering nearby. He knows exactly where deliverance can be found. The God of all comfort will make sure that the comfort that we need would come our way. And I want to end with this. He has already come. His name is Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word, the truth of your word, Lord God. And I do pray and ask that you would strengthen your people here, that you would comfort. Most of all, I pray that we would be obedient to what your word declares. I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.